Well, did you come to receive today? All three of you. Let's try that again. Did you come to receive today? Amen. Now, if you come to receive, amen, you got your catchers on, get ready to hear something, praise God. And if you came to receive, praise God, we can get done what we got to get done today. Amen. Now, if uh, I've learned this, that if you come to receive, you get something. If you don't, you may not. So hopefully you came to receive something. Uh, the last, uh, well, basically this year we've been on Sunday services, at least my time with you behind the pulpit, been ministering on uh, being overcomers. And because uh, we're called to be overcomers. And this is the year of the overcomer for word of victory. Amen. And uh, so I've taken uh, some time over the, you know, Sunday services and ministered coming at it from different angles. The last few times with you, um, I've been ministering on um, uh, really a disciplined lifestyle and primarily talking about staying focused. Amen. What it means to stay focused. And how many know you got to be disciplined to do that? Thank you very much for all that enthusiasm. How many know you got to be disciplined? Amen. If you're going to stay focused. Amen. Otherwise, you're distracted all the time. You're all over the map, and that's kind of how it happens. And so, um, anyway, I've been talking about that. Today, I'm going to talk about our thought life. Um, I've talked many times about, you know, setting our mind where we set our mind, but today I had. Uh, the Spirit of God kind of brought something to my attention a couple of days ago, and and uh, so uh, I uh, kind of coming at this from a different angle. But we're going to go to Second Corinthians chapter ten, please. And um, last night I shared this also in the prison, and uh, took. Uh, of course, it never ever comes out the same, but uh, but anyway, I just feel like um, if if we're going to overcome anything in our life, if we're going to be you know an overcomer. In certain things, you're going to have to be pretty disciplined in some areas, and uh, you're definitely going to have to be disciplined on what you think on and meditate on. We never live beyond our most predominant thoughts, and if you don't take your thoughts captive, they'll take you captive, and that's how this thing works. And so, the Spirit of God gave us, oh. I don't know how to say it, maybe safeguards or a guard or uh, maybe I could say a, a preventive measure. Um, I don't know, maybe a, um, I don't know, just maybe that's the best way just to say it. Gave us a way to help control the outcome of some things in our lives. You know, um, what you think on, what you meditate on determines things. Determines the words you speak, determines the actions you take, determines uh, choices and decisions that you make. There's a lot of other things that fit into that. And I know to some degree that's a no-brainer statement. But yet, for a no-brainer statement, it sure seems to be an area that we all seem to just kind of let loose of. And, you know, we think just because we're in our own mind that it's okay, nobody knows. Or it's okay because it's just me, I ain't hurting anybody. But you don't realize that what you sit and meditate on determines things that ultimately, if it ain't good, it's going to hurt you and those around you. Are you still with me? And so uh, you have to guard uh, your, your thought life. Amen. You just can't just let your mind uh, run everywhere. All right? And so um, we're going to look at this today. 
uh, in, a, in kind of a different angle, but, uh, but nevertheless, it's definitely something that needs to be discussed and looked at. 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to go to verse 3 is where we're going to start. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, in other words, we conduct life, we live life, we, you were here in an earth suit, you know, and, um, you know, we, we, we live on planet earth, but according to the book, we're not from this planet. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like an alien to me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's scriptural. Come on now. We are aliens, the scripture says. And so, uh, you know, beam me up, Scotty. But anyway, uh, here we go. For although we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, just because we live in this earth suit, just because we live on planet earth, doesn't mean that we conduct our life like everybody else does. Or I can say it this way, conduct our life how we used to before we knew Christ. You still with me? And this is kind of what he's bringing out. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. How many know we're in a war? How many know this is serious business? Uh, we're in a war. And it says here, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly or natural, uh, but they're mighty. Our weapons are mighty in God. Amen. For pulling down strongholds, one of the things says. For pulling down strongholds. For uh, Let's go ahead and read through it. For casting down arguments and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And it kind of, in a sense, sums it up by saying, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then says this, and then being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. <clears throat> now, my plan is to come back and kind of dissect this text a little bit. Um, but I'm going to ask a question that I usually do when I read this text. I'm going to ask it again today. Um, why does it say that, to, that we're to take every thought into captivity? Somebody's got it right. Who said it out there? Dawn, give that girl a star right there. Why? Because you can. You can actually take every thought captive. Now, how many know it, it, it takes some discipline to do that, though? It takes, it takes some discipline. Because for the most part, we're used to just kind of letting the ball roll how it does and path of least resistance. And, uh, you know, the path of least resistance has made both men and rivers crooked. Are you hearing me? Because we just kind of roll with it. Because you just kind of roll with it, you end up, you know, going down roads and doing things that you wish you never did or whatever, making choices that you wish you never made and saying things you wish you never said. Come on, somebody. Well, God gave kind of a safeguard. He said, listen, if you take authority of your thoughts ahead of time, you wouldn't have that mess down there on the other end. Still with me? So what I want to do today, uh, I want to take a look at some of these things, just these uh, three, four areas that I mentioned earlier, and I want to look at them, and then we're going to come back to this text and talk about what it means uh, to, uh, you know, to take captive your thoughts. Now, we live based on where we set our mind, what we think about and meditate on. You ain't going to never get away from that. 
Uh, put uh, Proverbs 18 on the board, if you will. Hallelujah. Who's back there today? Karen. Give Karen a hand clap. What a blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. The word says this, that a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. He said from the fruit of his mouth. You see that? And from the produce of his lips. See, from, from what comes out, see, the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Give me verse 21, please. All right. And it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, in context, he's talking about your tongue. Okay, death, ruin, destruction, chaos, okay, or life, okay, are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, love what? What's coming out your mouth? They'll eat the fruit of it. In other words, there's, there's, there's going to be a harvest on what is being said. Now, this verse uh, 20 uh, in, in the Hebrew says that a man is sustained and lives by what comes from his mouth. See, a man is sustained and lives by what comes from his mouth. The consequence of his words determines what he's filled with, good or bad. That's, that's how it brings it out at verse 20. And then 21 brings that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words are like containers. They contain death. They contain life. Now, <clears throat> I could spend a lot of time uh, preaching on just words themselves and the power of words and the creative force behind words. And, and uh, you know, the word's very clear uh, that words... Still create, words still build, words still produce. Are you still with me? Now, you determine what's going to be produced by what comes out your mouth. Now, Jesus said, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out your mouth that messes you over. He said, by your own words, you're justified. By your own words, you're condemned, Matthew 12 tells us. In other words, you hang yourself by your own words. And he said that those words come from the abundance of the heart. Well, how do you feel your heart? Things are being done or said. Uh, things you sit and meditate on and ponder on begins to fill up your heart. And a lot of times people say, well, you know, I don't like the way I talk. I'd like to change that. And God would probably agree with you. And maybe some folks around you might even agree with you. Come on, somebody. And a lot of times people are trying to, on this end, trying to curve their conversation or curve their words, you know. But God says that the only way you can curve that is you've got to change it on this end by changing what you deposit and what you think on and what you meditate on. Are you still with me? Now, as I said, I could talk a lot about just the creative power of words, but I'm just going to kind of bring it out from this angle, all right? And that is this. Have you ever said something you wish you wouldn't have said?
Have you ever said something and the second it went out your mouth, you wish you could have reeled it back in instantly, but it was too late. They already shot out there and now we're having to deal with the repercussions of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm just going to throw a little, little, you know, little uh, footnote here today, and that is this. Every one of us need to hear this today. Okay? Now, granted, some of us maybe have had more problems with our mouth than others. I get it. But we've all, somewhere along the line, wish we would have kept our tongue, wish we would have shut up when, you know, we just thought we had to get that last word in or whatever. The point is, we've all been in those shoes. And we've all wished we would have, you know, or we could change that or whatever, adjust that in our lives. And maybe to some degree we are working on that. Hopefully we are if we're having struggles with it. But God said there's a safeguard, preventive measure, that if you will guard the thoughts. I said if you will guard the thoughts. You'll curve your mouth. Amen. You know, thoughts, you know, taking every thought captive, um, you know, it's not like you got to have, you know, chapter and verse about everything. You know, hopefully, you know, you're growing in the Word and growing in the things of God and and, you know, you're gaining in some revelation of the Word and the things of God and the principles of God and the knowledge of God. That's all good. We, we want that. But, you know, most of the time, we know. Now, we probably shouldn't be thinking on this. If we would just curve those things, we might be amazed at how much our life changes just by taking authority and dominion over the few things that we know we probably shouldn't be thinking on. Well, you know, every time I think on that, it makes me mad. Well, then don't. <laughs> well, every time I think on that, I get depressed. Well, stop it. Well, every time I think of that, all I want to do is hit that person. Well, then please don't <laughs> think on it. Right? You know, when, you know, we stop and think about, well, I don't want to hit that person or I don't want to, you know, you know, say something to that person. And so we're over here on this end holding our fists back because we want to hit them with everything in us. And we think to ourselves, how hard it is to be a Christian because if they only knew, the old man would kill you. <laughs> I know it's none of you people. It's probably my own issues. I get that. But I found sometimes if I talk about my own issues, it hits a few of you too. <laughs> Hello. The point is this. We're over here on this end trying to stop a word or an action or whatever. And the whole time God says if you would just stop meditating on that, you will stop thinking. If you take that thought captive and deal with it, when it's small, you won't come to that point. Because we don't want to come to that point because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so if it's, a, if it's a wrong thought, ultimately it ends up being a wrong word. And a wrong word is going to do something to create all kinds of problems. It could be that the things that we're trying to overcome, we'd already overcome it if we just curve our, our mouth or curve our words. Are you still with me? 
James, the half-brother of Jesus, said that our tongue, an, un, an unrenewed tongue, a tongue that's out of control, will set on fire the whole course of nature. A tongue. Create one issue after another just because we couldn't curve that, those words and we think, well, I just, I just can't do it. It's just in my nature. Well, then stop it. And the only way to stop it is to guard it on this end. When the thoughts start coming, it's time to take it captive. It's time to take authority over it. It's time to stop thinking those thoughts. Now, I'm just going to throw this out here, another little footnote. Um, you know, years ago, they came up with this slogan, just say no to drugs. Now, that's probably a smart thing to do. But how I many you know you just can't just say no to drugs and think that's going to work? Somebody says, it won't. You got to say yes to something else. Because if you're just going to say no, it's only a matter of time. And we're back doing the same old silly thing. You got to learn to say yes to something else. It's the same thing with your thought life. You can't just say, I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think. You've got to start thinking about something else. Amen. I have found that it's a whole lot better to start thinking about what you're grateful for than what you, you want to gripe about. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm just going to throw this out here and say this. There is always something to gripe about. Believe me, we all can make our list. I said we could all make our list because we all have something that gripes us. But we've also got, we've also all got, amen, things that we can be grateful for. And sometimes, you know, as, uh, in fact, uh, I'm kind of throwing this out, but grab that last verse, Karen, throw that up there real quick. Uh, Philippians 4 and verse 8. It's just one of those good verses that fits in here. And uh, it just, uh, did I give you that one, Philippians 4, 8? I thought I did. There it is. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So there's a list of things. I don't know how many are there, what is there about uh, seven, eight, nine, whatever things there that just says, uh, you know, if you're going to think on something, if you're going to put your mind on something, grab one of these things, okay? Now, I'm not going to take the time today to go through all those things, but the point is this, there was always something that you can think on or meditate on that's not going to make you say things you shouldn't be saying. Still with me? So, um, thoughts produce words. Thoughts produce actions. Let's go to Romans 8. Have I ever told you I love Romans 8? Romans 8, verse 5, a common text. A lot of times we use it when we're talking about setting our mind on, on things above. Verse 5 says, for though we live according to the flesh. In other words, we live in this natural realm. Amen. Look, how many, well, it says, for those who live according to the flesh or of the natural realm, I should say, set their minds on the things of the flesh or of the natural realm. In other words, the reason they live that way or conduct their life, that word literally refers to a behavior, it's because they set their mind or they think on things of the natural. Those who live according to the Spirit, 
It's because they've set their mind. That's the implication here, that they've set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, please. For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded or naturally minded is death. In other words, we're going to do it just like everybody else. It just leads down the same road. It's called death. Ruin, destruction, chaos. But to be spiritually minded, in other words, setting your mind on things above, things of the Spirit, it leads you down a different road called life and peace. Now, how many like life and peace better than death? It's just a thought I'm having, but anyway, you know what I'm saying? I'd rather have that any day. Verse 7, please. Because the carnal mind or a natural mind or just thinking like everybody else thinks, it says that it's enmity against God. In other words, it wars against God. Literally means like you're, you're, like you're, you're telling God, you know, put up your dukes. Come on. Put them up. Somebody said, well, that'd be silly. Yes, you're right. It would be. And he says every time you let your mind wander down that thing, Set your mind on just natural things instead of the things above. He says it's like every time you're trying to get in a fight with God. And that's silly. You won't win. Just thought I'd tell you that. It goes on, for it is not subject to the law of God. In other words, a carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, or, nor indeed can be. Now, the point I'm reading this is because not only, do, not only do thoughts determine words, thoughts determine actions. They determine behaviors. Are you still with me? A lot of folks are upset with their behavior or upset with somebody else's behavior or whatever. The point is, you can try to address behavior all day long. And it's going to be a strain. It's going to be a struggle. Or you can deal with the root of the problem back here with the thought life and deal with what you meditate on. When you have a problem with an area of your life that you're trying to overcome, this, this might include your behavior, your actions, or whatever it may be. Let's try backing up and talk, let's, let's, let's start addressing what we're thinking on. Maybe we're sitting here meditating on something we have no business meditating on. Maybe our mind, you know, is wandering where it shouldn't be wandering. And one guy tell me one time, well, I had more than one guy, but... but one in particular told me, he said, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch. Son, it's only a matter of time. You keep looking, you're going to touch. Because action will follow. Are you still hearing me? Our most predominant thoughts produce actions. Now, there's no way of getting around it. It's how it was designed. And so he says here, here's our precautionary, uh, you know, uh, measure is to guard what you think on. Don't set your mind on that. Now, listen, when it comes time to certain things, you know. Look at your neighbor and just go, mm-hmm, you know. You know. You know. There's some of them things you know you ain't got no business, you know, thinking about. You know, uh, you know, many a times being the preacher, you know, sometimes it. You know, it, I don't know, it's just, you know, just the way it is. It just kind of comes with the job. And so a lot of times you show up and you come along across somebody and, and uh, you know, you might have seen them in the grocery store and, and they got something in the cart they don't want me to see. <laughs> Quite frank, I care less what you got in your cart. 
but that, you know, people think, oh, you know, and because you're, you know, a man, the man of God walking down the aisle and you want to avoid him because of something called a conviction. Listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not doing anything, I'm not saying anything. I ain't pointing my finger at you. Now, you avoid me in the store, I'm going to run you down. Because I have fun with that. And I, you know, i got to get amused somehow. Amen. So, you know, don't run from me. Amen. Just put the potato chips over it and it'll hide it. Amen. Anyway. <clears throat> but, you know, a lot of times you show up somewhere and, and you know, brother so-and-so just kind of slides the beer behind him because he didn't want a preacher man to see it. Hold the cigarette in the hand. Come on, somebody. You're going to just put that behind you or somehow put it in your mouth and take, a, take the hit. <laughs> and it's like, I could care less whether you're smoking or whether you're drinking. That's your business. Come on, somebody. But I'm just saying, sometimes when you, when you stop and, you, and, 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 and people are, are going to be that way or you're going to be that way, see, you already know. There's already something working and you already know. So my thought is just saying this. It's the same thing with thoughts. I mean, you know you shouldn't be thinking on that. You know you should set your mind on something different. You know that every time you go down that road, you know, it causes a reaction or some kind of action in your life that you're going to regret. So you can't let yourself meditate on those things because that's where it starts. And if you can deal with it here, you're not going to have all these results on the other end that you're embarrassed about or have issues with or need prayer about. Come on, somebody. Now, if you need prayer, we want to help you with that. But the point is this. There's a lot of things that would just automatically start curving and changing just with taking authority over our thoughts. Still with me? Let's put uh, um, Deuteronomy 30. Put that on the board. Let's try this. Um, Father said this. He said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Everyone say, choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Okay? So God's given them a choice. Now, this word choice uh, means to select. He says, you need to make a selection. Okay? That's what it means. Now, the reason I, I'm, I'm going to talk about this is because we all have choices to make. And just like he gave the children of Israel, he laid it all out there. He said, this is what the blessing is, and this is what the curse is. And he says, listen, if you'll, if you'll give heed, if you'll choose, you know, my words and my ways, he says, you'll live in the blessing. If you don't, but he said, it's your choice, but if you don't, the curse is rampant. It's out there. And it really, if you really stop and you look at it, I mean, it isn't even that God's trying to put curse on anybody. It has nothing to do with that. It's just out there. It's everywhere. You pull out from under a covering. Now, choices. Everybody say choices. You know, the children of Israel, we, I think the last time uh, I was up here, uh, which was two Sundays ago, um, I talked about the children of Israel and about uh, when, the, when the 12 spies came back from the promised land, that they were spying out the land. And, of course, uh, you know, they all said that 
what God said was true. It's, a, it's an abundant land, flowing with milk and honey, wonderful. Everything's happening. But then 10 out of the 12 said, but, oh, man, them cities are fortified and, and this people are huge and we're like grasshoppers in their sight and, and in our own sight and, and in our families. And what's going to happen if we go to war? And, and all the people got worked up about it. And God said that those ten spies gave an evil report. Now, the other two, Joshua and Caleb, the scriptures are pretty clear, that they tried to stop everybody saying, whoa, 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 God said we can do this. God said he's with us. And if listen, if God's with us, man, we could do anything. Come on, let's go. Let's take the land. And the word said that they got so angry with Joshua and Caleb's positive, uh, you, know, uh, you know, their little positive message that they wanted to stone them. That's, how, that's what it turned into. And you think, well, how, how did you, how did, I mean, we're talking about, they've already, you know, came out of Egypt, all that happened there, went through the Red Sea, it closed in on the enemy, I mean, my goodness, there was so many things, God, you know, food from the sky, quail running through every day, water coming from a rock, and God said, let's go take the land, oh no, our kids are going to get killed, Families are going to be destroyed. What happened? Select. They selected. They selected. They chose. Are you hearing me? They chose to meditate and ponder on an evil report instead of a good report. Are you hearing me? The word is clear. But don't think that what happened to them wouldn't happen to you. Choices. Choices. There's evil reports out there everywhere. They're everywhere. And we've all had them. We've all heard them. Come on, somebody. But we all have a choice. We all have a choice whether we're going to buy into the evil report or we're going to buy into the good report, the report of the Lord. Is anybody hearing me today? Now, choices. Choices come down to thoughts. It all comes down to, it comes down, it all started with thoughts. On this end, a thought, you heard something, you made a decision to sit and ponder on it to the point that it consumes you. And then you make a choice. Are you hearing me today? It's getting awful quiet in this Holy Ghost house. Are you hearing me? It comes down to choices, all right? And so, uh, or pardon me, it comes down to thoughts, and those thoughts produce choices, all right? So those choices, all right, is what hung them. That generation became fertilizer in the desert. They died. The next generation goes in and takes the land, which is what their fathers could have done. No different. But based on sitting and thinking, come on now, on what they shouldn't be thinking on, they shouldn't have gave heed to what the other ten, they should have gave heed to what Joshua and Caleb said. Come on, somebody. So, Pastor, we'd never do that. Really? 
Well, you know, I heard the news. What? Excuse me? Well, you know, the news said, what? Well, you know, I heard on Oprah. What? Oprah's probably a good gal. I'm sure she's a sweetheart, you know. But, you know, just because Oprah said it don't mean, you know. Geraldo, let's use that one. point is a lot of stuff gets said and a lot of people have opinions and things come on right but it's going to come down to what are you going to choose well I'll tell you what you're going to choose you're going to choose what you choose to or what you decide to meditate on because you meditate on it long enough pretty soon you're justified in your own mind that it's okay and that your choice is right everybody say choose life God said the blessing is yours to have. He told you what to choose. Amen. But not everybody chose that. Now, I don't know if you did this. This is what this morning I was thinking about this. I was maybe thinking I was just going to zip through this, but obviously I didn't. And, uh, but I was thinking about Deuteronomy and, um, you know, the blessing, you know, today even over the offering uh, quoted, you know, the majority of the blessing out of Deuteronomy 28. And you get into later on in the chapter of Deuteronomy 28, which is, starts explaining the curse, what the curse is. Are you still hearing me? Okay. So I'm not going to read it all because it's basically about 50 verses. It's about 13 or 14 verses that, that explain the blessing. And then about the next 10 verses or so, it, it begins, it reverses the blessing because the curse is just the reverse of the blessing. Are you hearing me? And then it takes another 40 verses to just make sure you understand what the curse is. And then a chapter or so later, he says, now I've laid it all out there for you. Now, just in case you're not sure what to choose, I'll tell you, choose life. Choose the blessing. Okay, right, right? So he still that still holds true today. So, I, you know, I was thinking about this, and, you know, when you, you think about all the uh, things of the curse, and nobody really wants to do a message on the curses. It just doesn't seem like it'd be a good one. But sometimes you have to take a look at it. Come on, you can't just block out the verses. And so you think about what all's involved in the curse, and the curse talks about sickness and disease as part of the curse. It says mental issues are part of the curse. Relational issues are part of the curse. Marriage issues are a part of the curse. Uh, having issues with your assets and possessions being taken or stolen is part of the curse. Kid problems and family problems, part of the curse. Still with me? Don't you feel edified? Um, business problems. Part of the curse. Literally. Uh, debt issues. Part of the curse. Um, being uh, pulled under, back under bondage and slavery 
is part of the curse. And then it kind of wraps it all up again, going back just to make sure you didn't get, if you didn't get it the first time, saying that all form of disease is part of the curse. Now, that's about as much as I want to share of it. Aren't you glad? The point is, nobody wants the curse. Nobody does. Okay? So it's a choice. It comes down to a choice. And the choice begins with a thought. And so you sit and you ponder things that causes you to make certain choices that produces the curse. It isn't worth it. Because now the curse is running rampant and now we need prayer, we need a miracle, we need a breakthrough. We need everybody and their dog get on their knees for me because there's no way I'm going to get out of this mess by myself. Come on, somebody. Call the whole prayer chain. In fact, let's call every ministry we know. Why? Because I'm having problems. Well, it's called a curse. And a lot of times, most times, it's based on choices we make. We're not here to condemn you. But it's like, well, I don't like the curse, Pastor. Good. That's a good start. We, we don't want to like it. But it doesn't, the curse don't go away because you don't like it. The curse don't go away because you don't like it. The curse goes away based on choices. And choices are made based on thought life. Because if you were meditating on the higher thoughts, you wouldn't have been making that choice, whatever it was. Still with me? Are you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? Okay, it's a little weak, but we'll, still, we'll keep rolling. Choices, words, actions, all come out of thoughts. That's where it begins. Um, put uh, Proverbs 1 on the board. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Give me um, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, chapter 9 brings out that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, But it says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Have you ever been in that boat? I have. There have been times I, I was a fool instead of being wise. Anybody else been there? Well, it's based on decisions. Now, <clears throat> I'm using this word decision in, in, a, in, a, in a certain way because, you know, we might, we might lump both choices and decisions in the same boat, but really the word decision is more about a judgment call on things. Choices is about, you know, making a selection, whereas a decision is more about a judgment call. Well, there's information out there all the time. Scriptures are real clear. Even if you went to Psalms 1, it talks about you got to guard where you stand, where you walk, where you sit. Because there's everybody talking. Everybody wants to say something. You say, well, I just don't know what I should think. Well, come here, everybody and their dog will come up and tell you what you should think. Am I right? And the word is very clear. you got to guard that. Why? Because the more you hear that, 
The more you think on that, meditate on that, and the more you make decisions. Are you hearing me? You make judgment calls on things. Have you ever made a judgment call you wish you wouldn't have made? We've all been there. And, you know, a lot of it comes based on we sit and we ponder things, we think on things, and then it comes to that moment, there's a, there's a moment or a day of decision. Come on, the Scripture calls it that, a day of decision on any, whatever it is we're dealing with, and you're brought to a place where you have to make a judgment call. But now if you're, if you're over here and you're meditating on things you got no business meditating on, when it comes to that moment, there is probably a 99% chance you're going to make a wrong judgment call. It all comes based on what we're thinking on. How we view people, how we you know, make decisions in, about business or about family things or about kid things or whatever it is. And if you're sitting back here and all you're doing is stewing on things that keep you mad or keep you angry or keep you offended or keep you fearful or, or keep you, uh, you know, in self-preservation mode, whatever it is, then when you come to this moment, that's what you're going to do. And even though God had your back, And even though there was a way where God was going to show himself strong, what happens is we make a judgment call based on what we've been sitting back here meditating on. Are you still with me? That's how it works. And so if you're sitting here thinking, you know, thoughts of fear, you know, whatever, and then you come to this moment, that's what's going to drive your decision. That's what's going to drive your judgment. And the whole time, God had a way. The whole time, God had an answer. The whole time, God had a solution. The whole time, God had a breakthrough for you. The whole time, God had a miracle for you. Whatever. But we're over here stewing and stewing and stirring and stirring and stewing and stirring or whatever. And we get to this moment, moment of decision, and we make a judgment call, and it ain't going to be right. Are you still with me? Now, How many times have you needed a, a miracle because you made a wrong judgment? All two of you. Well, I'm glad you came today. Anybody else? Now, if you need prayer, you need a miracle, let's, let's get it. Praise God. We're not... We're not saying, you know, coming against that. We're just saying that think about how many things in our lives that we need prayer for, we need a breakthrough, we need a miracle, that really just it come down to a, a decision that we made and really wasn't a right decision. And if you really stop and think about it, it, really if you back up, you start thinking, you know, when this thing happened or when this thing was said or whatever, all of a sudden it stirs this. The other day, um, Sister Kathy came to me and she had something, asked a question about something, and she said, you know, um, you know, how do you want to handle this thing? And, and, um, and right at first, you know, all I could think about is, you know, another dumb thing to deal with. Let me 
he says, Pastor. That's my, that was my first thoughts, and that was where I went. Got back in my truck. <laughs> Made a phone call. And the individual talking to me like didn't know what I was talking about. I'm like, huh? So I made another phone call. I said, Sister Kathy, why don't you explain to me one more time how that went down? Oh, that's how it went down. It was that simple. You let your mind go down a road based on previous things, based on past experiences, based on, are you still hearing me? And all of a sudden, your mind just wants to take it right there. And if it wasn't for the fact that I made a couple phone calls real quick, come on, somebody, I would have made a real bad decision and a mess. The whole time it was just a misunderstanding, come on, or it's just just a thing that just needs to, you know, we just need to handle this and do this, no big deal. And the point is this, we've all been guilty of those kind of things. I've seen more churches split by it, more families split by it, more business destroyed by it, based on the fact that we let our mind, we sit and ponder things, and the next thing we know, we're making decisions we got no business making. And it begins to blow up in our face. Is there anybody hearing me today? Now, whew, a lot of things come out of our thoughts. That could be good or that could be bad. Bad thoughts produce bad words and bad actions and decisions and choices. But good thoughts can produce some good words. Good actions, good thoughts, or I mean, good decisions and choices. Amen. Are you with me? So let's go back to 2 Corinthians. We'll wrap this up with this. We'll finish where we started. And go with me to, uh, well, it's just verse 3 again real quick. We'll read through it. For though we walk in the flesh, in other words, we're in this natural body, but we don't do it like we used to do anymore. We got we to gotta do it different. We're children of God now. We're, we're children. Yes, I am. Come on now. We're, we're, we're child, a child of God. Amen. We're different now. We're not like we used to be. And we have, we have hope and we have, and we have an answer and we have a God that's with us and a God that will never uh, forsake us and never leave us. Come on, somebody. And we have a Savior that paid a price for not only ourselves, but paid a price for that stinker that you Live next to. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. We can't go down that road. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Everybody say pull down. Now, this word Pulled down means to demolish, to destroy, to bring down fully. Amen. Literally means extinction. 
I love that. The point is, there is nothing about this text that is mild-mannered. Everything about this text is aggressive. We can't just play patty cake with our thoughts and think that those bad thoughts are going to leave us alone. You've got to get aggressive with it. Amen. And so you're going to have to pull them strongholds out. Those thoughts. Strongholds are really nothing but, but thought patterns. That's all they are. It just means that which has been fortified. In other words, you've been down that road so much, now it's been fortified. It's like, this is the way we think. This is the way we are. Well, you're going to have to get serious about it because that's not the way you are anymore. You're different. People will tell you sometimes, they say, well, yeah, it's just the way I am. Well, then change it. Change it because you're a new creation now. Old things have passed away. But the only way you're going to do that was things like this. Now, this isn't the only way, but this is definitely a key way is learn how to pull them down, bring down those strongholds. Don't let those things dictate and control your life anymore. Get aggressive with it. Let's go to verse 5. Casting down arguments. The word casting down here means to lower with violence. Literally, to lower with violence. You actually have a right to get violent with your thoughts. Are you still hearing me? Get violent. Amen? And again, it's not you're not playing patty cake with this thing. Take down, demolish, amen, uh, uh, lower with violence. And it says arguments. The word arguments uh, is the words imagination. It uses uh, thoughts, reasonings, computations. Now, that just refers to what, you know, to sit back and estimate things, calculate things. How many know that sometimes your imagination can run away with you? All it takes, one thing happened, and, and because of past things, you know, you start, uh, you know, uh, you start, you know, you know, estimating and reasoning. And, and even though you may not know what's going on, you're going you're gonna to see to it that you'll make it up if you don't know. You know why you make it up? Because you were designed to have answers. We all were. So if you don't know the answer, well, then heck, we'll make our own up based on previous things, based on calculations. According to my calculations, if you take this over here to this to this, then my hypothesis is that this is a bad, bad thing. <laughs> well, maybe your hypothesis is off. Maybe your calculations are wrong. Listen, sometimes our reasoning and assumptions and those kind of things, sometimes they're right, but sometimes they're wrong. And if they're wrong, then it's going to lead to wrong words, wrong actions, wrong choices and decisions. Still with me? So you have to learn to lower down, to bring down those things, those reasonings. Otherwise, it's going to dictate. And it says, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the ways of God, the word of God, the principles of God. Every high thing, this word high thing, uh, means that an elevated thing or elevated uh, place literally speaks of it as a barrier, which is kind of wild. Uh, but it's dealing again with things like assumptions, but it deals with more like opinions, 
theories, and speculations. We all have them. I said we all have them. I have opinions. Of course, mine are right. You have opinions, and you think yours are right, or they wouldn't be your opinion, right? But if you don't watch it, we're letting our opinion dictate, and the next thing you know, you're making, you know, decisions and choices. Come on, actions, words come out, and the whole time your opinion was off. Are you still with me? We're not saying everything you think is wrong. But there are some things that you probably got no business thinking on. Are you still with me? So then it says to take every word, every thought, pardon me, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So now you think about some of these things that we're thinking on. And we, most of the time, I mean, probably not all the time, but most of the time, we kind of know. I got no business thinking on that. It just, it just gets my, it gets my, my feathers ruffled. And that ain't gonna be good for nobody when the preacher's feathers are ruffled. I'm just speaking for myself, right? And so, you know, I've learned that there's something I, I just can't go down that road. I'm not trying to ignore it. I know there's something going on. I know this. I know that. There's certain things I do know. But there's a lot of question marks yet. A lot of things I don't know. It's like the individual says, I want to come and talk to you, Pastor, you know, about my husband. And then he's calling me saying, I want to come talk to you about my wife. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> you already know the answer. Right? What's the word say? You know, one person comes and you think you have, the, you have the truth until the next guy shows up and you go, whoops, I didn't have all the facts. So there's a lot of things in our lives and that go on around us that we don't have all the facts yet. We don't know everything. You can't believe everything you hear. You can't get caught up on everything. And sometimes things that go on, even though, I mean, there have been times I've seen something, and from my perspective, that's the way it is. And I wasn't around the other side. I didn't see what happened up to that moment. It's like all the people, you know, raising up their cameras when the police get ready to thump the guy that did what he did. Come on, somebody. Nobody filmed it earlier. Come on now. Now, I'm not saying that every police was necessarily doing the right thing. I'm just saying that it's amazing how some things get reported and then we just nonchalantly forget about other things. And then everybody has now a perspective that could be completely wrong. So you hearing me today. Right? Don't come up to me later and give me all. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. But anyway, I'm just saying. All right. So, verse 6, we'll wrap it up with verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, of course, it connects you to the verse prior to that, 
And you're trying to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. And the minute you make a decision that said, I'm going to choose life here. I'm going to, I am going to meditate on the right things. I refuse to think on this or think on that. So you made a decision that says, that says your obedience has then been fulfilled because you chose to do the obedient thing by taking authority, taking captive, taking dominion or authority over your thought life. Amen. Was doing the right thing. But how many know just because you did it one time doesn't mean that those thoughts don't still try to come. And most of the time, it's demonically in, influenced or induced or whatever, or in part, however, here comes the thought. And just because a thought comes don't mean you have to take it. The point is, this verse says you got to be ready to punish. you got to be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, when those thoughts try to come again, you got to say, I refuse to go there. One of the things I usually use in this illustration is, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty notorious for talking to myself. If you ever see me going down on my mower or anything, you're going to. Usually, you know, I'm talking to myself. And, uh, you know, whatever it could be, you know, that could be bad, bad, that could be good. I don't know, but depending on the moment. But for the most part, okay, I just learned um, it's better for me just to have a conversation with myself. Anyway, one of the things that I have a conversation with myself about is when I go down some road here that ain't right in my thoughts, and I will walk into a bathroom or find a mirror, and I will point at myself, and I'll say, shut up, Roberts. Or, not today, Roberts. Because I have a choice. I have an option. Whether I'm going to think on that or whether I'm not. And I know better that when I think on something I shouldn't, it ain't going to lead to anything good. Is anybody hearing me today? There's sometimes, depending on what it is, I may say, shut up, devil. You're going to have to be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Has anybody ever forgiven somebody? Wow. Let's try that one more time. Has anybody forgiven anybody in this house? Okay, that's a good thing as a Christian. Anyway, the point is, after you forgave that individual, did the thought still hit you? Now, just because the thought hits you doesn't mean you take it. And doesn't mean you walk away and say, I thought I forgave him and I guess I didn't. No, all it was was a demonically induced thought trying to get you to bite, trying to get you to pull. And what you say is, no, I forgave that individual. Hallelujah, they've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah, I released them. Praise God. How, what are you doing? Punishing all disobedience. You know what else I do sometimes? And I, this works for me. You have to find your own thing. It works for you. Sometimes I say, sir, I apologize. I know better. No business thinking on that. 
Forgive me, sir. And I know you're faithful and just to forgive. And I receive that and thank you for it. And I move on. Now, does anybody in the house love to apologize? Nobody does. Nobody wants to apologize. Well, there's only one way to really avoid not having to apologize. Just don't do things. Right? The problem is, though, we still do things once in a while. Sometimes we got to make it right. And I've found, even in my thought life, if I'm going to take authority over my thought life, if I'm going to cast down those arguments, those vain imaginations, if I'm going to bring down that high thing that tries to exalt itself, if I'm going to take authority and take captive every thought, then every now and then i got to stop and say, Whoa, brakes, hold it! Father, I know better. Sorry about that. I have no business meditating on that, thinking on that, taking that thought. I take it captive, and I arrest it now, and I say I choose to think on higher things. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Amen. Sometimes you just got to punish all disobedience, or it will punish you. Are you with me today? If we don't take them captive, they'll take us captive. And that's what they're designed to do. So, did you get something today? Yeah. Woo! Got through that one. All right, why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. Appreciate you letting me get all the way through that. Praise God. You know, the neat thing about this whole thing, um, um, I always have this thing turned wrong or something. There it is. Um, the neat thing about this uh, principle is that we can do this. There ain't any of us that, can't, that, that couldn't do this. We all can do this. We just got to be disciplined about doing it. And just purpose to, amen, take authority over those things. Amen. <clears throat> I, I kind of touched on it, but, you know, a lot of times in our thoughts, we, it's, depending on what we're thinking about, we might think, well, I'm justified in my thoughts. Well, is it going to take you down a road you got no business going down? Well, maybe. Well, then don't think on it. Well, you just don't understand. No, I do understand. And God understands. Are you hearing me? The point is, thinking that and meditating on that isn't going to ever be good for you or anybody else. So it's better to release those things and to start thinking on higher thoughts and let God handle those other things. He will. He will. You know, sometimes the reason God hasn't handled some of those things, you want to know why? Because you told Him you'd handle it. And if you're going to handle it, he says, well, fine, you can handle it. Or you can say, you know what? I don't think I want to handle this anymore. I'll let you handle it. Amen. And it seems to get done right when he handles it. Amen. It's just, it's just that one of those principles. So, Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Thank you again for your word. Thank you for these principles. Thank you, Lord God, for a people, hallelujah, that set their mind on things above. Praise God. Taking the higher thoughts. Praise God. And Father, I give you praise for that. We're thankful, Lord God, for an ear that heard and a heart that received. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m 
and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.